52 episodes, 52 ordinary people, 52 real stories about things that affect overall health. Because there is a lot more that goes into being healthy than food and fitness. Inspiration, support, a new perspective, and knowledge. You'll find that and more here on the HealthAbility Project. Hi, welcome to the HealthAbility Project. I'm Robin McKenna. As adults, we can dismiss such things as minor accidents needing a trip to the emergency room. We don't even think much about the fact we fell off of a ladder or face-planted coming down some icy steps. But think of little kids and overly affectionate dogs. It can be scary to the point of being afraid of dogs the rest of your life. How about when kids are learning to ride bikes? Some never get on a bike again. As kids, we can be affected by seemingly non-event events, but the effects of those events, anxiety, fearfulness, difficulty concentrating, and depression can be carried into and through adulthood. Here to share his story about how something he experienced as a child impacted his overall health and well-being is Bart Berkey. Bart is the founder and CEO of Most People Don't LLC, a motivational storytelling and training company that provides tools and techniques to enable individuals to do what most people don't. His trademarked Most People Don't mantra is scientifically and psychologically proven to produce improved behaviors in others. Bart draws upon real-life situations to create memorable analogies and messages that are easy to apply. He held numerous global executive roles in the hospitality industry, including Ritz-Carlton, St. Regis, and W Hotels, before devoting himself to teaching others how to achieve excellence. He was raised in Pittsburgh, graduated from Penn State University, and lives with his wife in Virginia. Thanks for joining us today, Bart. Yeah, you are welcome, Robin. Thanks for having me. And I love what you are doing to help spread the word about how health can affect individuals and the health ability project. So well done. It's definitely messages that need to be shared. So thank you. Thank you. So you have what to most adults would seem like a non-event event experience that really impacted your long-term health. Yeah. Tell us about that. Yeah, what what sure. happened to you as a kid? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, growing up as a child, and this was, I guess, I, probably 12 or 13 years old, I broke my nose during a track meet. I was a high jumper and I had some good athletic ability, but I didn't have flexibility. So as I was soaring over the high jump bar at about five feet, three inches, my knee came up and smashed my nose to the other side of my face. Ouch. I really wasn't sure what happened. I just know that after I got out of the mat, something hurt and certainly was, uh, it was a mess. Let's just put it that way. At that point, they would not let me look in the mirror. They wouldn't let me try to touch my face because truly my nose was on this side of my face. They felt that I was going to go into shock. So they rushed me to the hospital and the doctors that saw it said it was the worst break they had ever seen in a nose before. So shattered into thousands of 
I guess you would say pieces. Wow. Were either of your parents with you? Was there an adult with you? My mother was with me, yes, when it happened. And then my father met us at the hospital. But so just imagine 12 or 13 going through an impact like that was scary. Uh, Riding in an ambulance like that was scary. Now, this was, you know, well over 40 years ago. Technology is different. Hospitals are different. Medicine is different. So they rushed me again to the hospital. Doctor said, worst break that we've ever seen. We need to do something now. So I'm sitting outside of the operating room, nervous and scared. My parents aren't with me at that point. I'm just by myself. Mm. And you can just, you know, see the doors right next door is where the thing was going to happen, where the surgery was going to happen. And I remember saying to myself, I'd rather be any place but here because I was scared. I walk into the operating room. Okay, Bart, we're ready for you. I walk into the operating room. So no meds to calm me down. I jump up onto the operating table. They start putting medicine into an IV, scared. Couldn't really see the faces because of the face mask and the, the surgical things that they were wearing. And I heard them say, he's out. Let's get started. I heard them say that. I heard the surgical instruments clanging. I could hear them talking, but I couldn't move. And I don't know if this lasted 10 seconds or 10 minutes, but it felt like my body was on top of the operating table. And then underneath it felt like it was my consciousness. And I'm trying to speak. I'm trying to move. I'm trying to tell them, no, I'm not out. Don't get started. I'm not out. And then... Finally, I woke up. As a result of that experience, it really, really affected me. And it wasn't the pain that I went through. It wasn't the recovery. It wasn't the bandages on my nose or my eyes getting swollen shut. It was the psychological feeling of not having control. So Robin, after that experience, I found myself after recovery being more fearful of things. I was afraid of doctors. I was afraid of hospitals. Of course, I was afraid of having surgeries, but it also affected me that I was afraid of losing control because I wasn't sure what was going to happen to me. I didn't want to get forced out of losing control. And did did either of your parents or, or any adult have any conversation with you to just kind of check in and see how you were feeling or... From a physical perspective, yes. You know, Bart, your your eyes aren't as black and blue. And, and I had very loving parents. My mother still loved my father passed. Very loving parents, but I don't think they knew how it affected me. And maybe I didn't know how to communicate it properly. Mm-hmm. So in addition to then being fearful of doctors, I remember not long after going to the doctor with my mother and <laughs> I was worried about dying. So my conversation with the doctor, this was about a a year after surgery, I'm afraid of dying. And he said, Bart, you're a healthy, healthy young man. I would worry about dying as much as I would worry about a watermelon falling out of the sky and hitting you. That's what he said to me. It didn't help ease any, any pain. It didn't help ease the emotional trauma of having this out of body experience. Mm. So in addition to being afraid of doctors, being afraid of surgery, never wanting to be knocked out again, I found that I was fearful of passing out. I was fearful of going to sleep. 
Because when you go to sleep, where do you go? I mean, I'm here right now, but when you go to sleep, where do you go? Where did I go whenever they pump that medicine in me for the, the three hours of the search? Where did I go? And that thought just kind of stayed with me for a very long time to the point where Rob and I would have to say before I went to sleep, see you tomorrow, right? Good night, mom. I'll see you tomorrow, right? Good night, dad. I'll see you tomorrow, right? And I had to wait for their confirmation to say yes. Do you know why? No. If they said I would see them tomorrow, I would not die in my sleep. Right. Isn't that scary? From 13 until age 18, when I left for college, I had to say that to my parents every single night. I'll see you tomorrow. Right. Because I was afraid of going to sleep because I was afraid of dying. And at that point, this behavior of you saying this every night, they, there still was no connection about something deeper than a, a physical memory. Yeah. No, they didn't ask me and I didn't say it. And they would look me in the eye. Oh, your eyes are clear. You're fine. Well, then, Robin, I started having panic attacks. And so I'll explain what it meant to me to have a panic attack and what it felt like. But I'm riding in the back of the school bus. This was, again, probably a year after surgery. And I'm thinking, hey, everything is fine. Everything is fine. Well, wait a second. What if I can't get out of this school bus? No, everything is fine. Well, what would happen if I would pass out and faint on this school bus? Wouldn't it be embarrassing for me? And who's going to take care of me? Because my best friend is not sitting next to me. He's sitting closer to the front of the bus. How embarrassing would that be? And I had a panic attack, almost out of body feeling again. And I didn't know what that was all about. My parents looked me in the eye after I got home from school. Oh, you're fine. Your eyes are clear. You're fine. Well, this these panicky sensations, this fear of passing out, fear of losing control, would lead then in my mind to fear of dying. Mm. When I became 16 and started to drive, 17 started to drive, going through a tunnel in Pittsburgh where I grew up, what would happen if I would pass out when I'm driving this car through the tunnel? If I passed out, I would faint, I would lose control of the car and I could probably crash and I could crash and then, God, I could die. So what do you think I became afraid of? Driving through tunnels. To the point where I'm in the back of um, a grocery store, not near an exit, back of a grocery store. Well, what would happen if I would pass out right here? It's not near the exit. It's like toward the rear of the store, rear of the grocery store. What would happen if I would pass out here? I would pass out. Would anyone take care of me? Oh, my gosh. No, I'm not going to pass out. I'm fine. There's nothing. But I am going to. May I? Maybe I'm going to. And it is this wave of panic. That's why they're calling it panic attacks that hit me. And then my next fear was fear of going into malls or department stores or grocery stores or Target and being near the rear where you can't get out quickly enough, where perhaps no one would see me. Hmm. So I, I'm sharing this because, yeah, it was certainly traumatized. I remember my mother at one point betting me, I was playing volleyball in high school and then in college, she would bet me $20 when we were going on away trip, away game, an overnight trip. I'll bet you $20, Bart, that you don't pass out. If you don't pass out, you come back, um, I'll give you $20. Was that her so, way of trying to manage your anxiety, maybe? Yes. Yes. But again, not many people, if any, were talking about panic and anxiety or depression or fear of much of anything. Right. So, you know, the suggestions for anyone listening now and those future listeners, 
don't be afraid to speak up. If you feel a certain way, speak up. If you have children, encourage your children to speak up. There's no shame in doing that. And as you know, individuals had said before, I like sharing these stories because you would not know by seeing me when I present in front of thousands of people, whenever I do my, my, my job of writing another book or whatever the case is, people would not know that I suffer from panic attacks and anxiety. The more that I share, the better I feel and the better hopefully I make other people feel. So what was the turning point in your life? You, you got through college, you're an adult. What was the turning point in your life where you maybe said to yourself, I have to get control of this or I need to do something yeah. about this or it's not fun living with this anxiety yeah. and this depression? And Yeah, not fun at all. And then you found yourself not doing things, not leaving the house, not wanting to leave the house, not wanting to drive, not wanting to go to the back of a store. Very debilitating debilitating if that's the right word sure okay yeah good thumbs up um so the turning point there were two aspects one was and this sounds really silly for people that are listening that did not know what life was before mobile phones <laughs> but i had a promotion i was in the hotel business i moved off to chicago and my girlfriend at the time now my wife bought me a cell phone a mobile phone and she said, anytime that you feel anxious or uncomfortable, all you have to do is call me. And I remember, and it was, you know, very expensive at the time, but I remember several times when I felt like I was having some type of attack. As soon as I heard her voice, it calmed me down. If I was with people that I knew would take care of me, it kept me calm. If I was traveling with you and you and I just met, you take care of me. I, I know you well enough that, that you're a good person. You take care of me. But if I was traveling to Dubai or a different country and I didn't speak the language, who in the world would take care of me if I passed out and if I started to die? So the turning point was one, my wife, two, being open to other resources, to other people. And then three, she encouraged me to go see a doctor. So I saw a doctor and they wanted to get to the heart of the matter. What was my childhood like? And what was it like growing up? And what was the relationship with your siblings? And I just boiled down to, I had this experience. It gave me some type of a chemical imbalance in my brain. I just need to give me something, a pill, right? Some type of medicine that I can take when I feel like I need it. And that's what someone prescribed. Well, at the time, there was also a lot of hesitation with taking a certain type of pill, mm -hmm. right? You know, you don't want to take these too much, Bart, because you might become addicted. <laughs> okay, well, then if I become addicted, I'm going to lose even more control, which would then spiral into, right? So think about it, right? Don't take too many of these, Bart, because you could become addicted. So while I had a crunch, right, perhaps a temporary solution, I found myself never taking it because I didn't want to get addicted. Well, I was going to say, I'm assuming that that kind of um, exacerbated your level of anxiety, right? Yes. Yeah. It was not a solution. It was more of a potential problem. Another thing to worry about. It's not what you, it, it was not the right approach. Mm -hmm. So years later, switched to a different doctor and I asked her the same question. And she said, if you're taking about five of these pills a day, every single day, then I'd, I'd be worried about you, Bart. But if you need to, 
you need to take one, you need to take one a day, you need to, like, she just called me down to the point where, wow, so I know if I needed to, I can take it. And I don't need to get worried. I don't need to worry about becoming addicted to it. Mm -hmm. So just even knowing that calmed my mind. And I shared with you, and I know this is not going to be video, but around my neck, I have a little pill capsule that my son bought me the necklace. And I have what we call a happy pill in there. And right now I think there's a happy pill in there, but I'm not really sure. But it gives me the confidence to know that I can do anything because if I needed to, I do have a crutch. I have a little happy pill in there. Mm -hmm. And Robin, the interesting thing is that sometimes there might not even be a pill in there. It might have been disintegrated because it's close to my body and I exercise too much. I could perhaps <laughs> forget that I that I did not wear my necklace and I could go drive through a tunnel and go into the back of a store and go to a mall and go to a Smithsonian Museum by myself and have the confidence that I'm fine. Mm. I'm fine. But it took those little crutches, a mobile phone, a happy pill, to give me the confidence that I can do anything. Because it rationally, it doesn't make sense. Why would you be afraid? Bart, you can speak in front of thousands of people. You know, you're a successful business professional. Why would you be afraid of going into Target? Why would you be afraid of driving through tunnels? Like what? It just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I know it doesn't make any sense. Those two or three things, my wife, the encouragement, the resources, the crutch of the pill, the mobile phone, all of those begin to give me more confidence to realize that I can do anything. Not only realizing that you could do anything, but it helped you get a handle on being anxious and, and this yeah. constant worry about everything. Yes, yes. And I believe, Robin, that it's important to share things like this so people can understand more that if you're not seeing the right doctor, the right medical professional, change and go see someone else. Talk to people, use your resources. And this is a really interesting thing. And um, I will give credit to my friend that uh, I met about a year ago. His name is Joshua David, lives in Hawaii, and he is all about positive manifestations. So if I am thinking confidently, if I'm saying I can do it, I'm proud, I'm confident, I'm happy, I'm healthy, I can do it. That's going to enable me to do more positive things. So very unique situation. This was about six months or so ago. I went on a business trip. I was in Boston. I was getting ready to do my presentation, 45 minute presentation. And I started getting some of the worst stomach pains I've ever received in my life. Mm. I wasn't sure if it was something I ate, was it food poisoning? And then I realized I have to go on stage here in a few moments. Organizer. Certainly the, not the first time you were going on stage. No, heavens no. It was not, I was not nervous about that. I get excited about that, positively nervous, but these were severe stomach pains. And I said to the person who hired me, I said, I think I'm having an appendicitis. She said, What do you need? Do you want us to take you somewhere? Do you want to lie down? It's like call 911. It was that bad. And this is not all about horrible medical stories, but it's about sharing that you can overcome any obstacle. They rush me off to the to the emergency room. They do the CT scan and everything else, give me the appropriate drugs to keep me calm. And I had kidney stones. And by the time I arrived there, the kidney stones had passed. So the pain was getting better. But the reason why I'm sharing this story is that think about all of my fears. Passing out 
right? Dying, not having people take care of me, fear of doctors, fear of nurses, fear of hospitals, fear of surgery, fear of being by myself, fear of all of these things happened. But guess what? Eight hours later, I was walking out of the hospital in Boston and I was jumping in an Uber and I was heading back to my hotel in which I received a very warm welcome from my clients of beautiful, you know, gift basket and chicken noodle soup in the room. And they rescheduled me to be able to speak the next morning. It gave me the confidence of, and the reason why I brought up my friend Joshua is that he said, you realize that you probably almost manifested this. Think about what all your fears are, your fears of doctors, of dying, of being alone. He said, do you realize that you just accomplished everything that you were ever afraid of? You were by yourself. You needed help. They called for help. They were caring and loving. They escorted you to the hospital. The doctors did a great job. The nurses did a great job. They made you feel comfortable. You didn't die. And you came home and they were flexible. All of those things made me realize I don't need to be afraid about passing out one and no one taking care of me or passing out and dying. I have enough confidence that I'm healthy. I have enough confidence in others that strangers, I would take care of a stranger that passed out. Mm -hmm. You would take care of a stranger that passed out. Passed out is just your body way of saying, hey, look, you need a quick reset. So what do I need to be afraid of? I don't need to be afraid of that at all. People took care of me and I was able to not die, be in a hospital by myself, without my wife, without my family. And they rescheduled it for the following day. I was able to, in 24 hours, to be able to experience something that I had feared, but I came out without using my happy pill, without using any other crutches, I was able to get through and overcome that obstacle. So it seems that you, you know, having the presence of mind that you were going through all these things, having the comfort level to reach out for help rather than just thinking, oh my God, what's going to happen, helped you get through those things. But but this is as as an older adult and- What are you saying older? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking of you as a 15 year old. Yeah, so so were there were there other- experiences, whether you realize it or not, along the way that kind of maybe helped you get comfortable with those ideas of gaining control, having presence of mind, feeling comfortable asking for help, knowing that help would come. And Yes. Yes. I Wow. Brilliant. Um, I think from a couple of different experiences, one, the company that I worked for for 16 years, Ritz-Carlton. Mm-hmm their culture and their branding is we are ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen. I felt if I was near a person that I worked with, a lady or a gentleman that I worked with and something happened, I had no doubt in my mind that they would take care of me. And it didn't matter if it was at one, my own particular hotel or at the corporate office or at a hotel across the world in Tenerife in Obama, right? It didn't matter they would take care of me. I think that helped me overcome and begin to trust people and trust in the kindness of others. So that was one thing that happened. Second thing that happened three years ago, I had a heart attack. And this was as a result of that horrible out-of-body experience as a young age, right, 12 or 13 years old, 
Well, fast forward 40 years, Robin, I still couldn't breathe because what I didn't share with your listeners, the surgery was not a success. They built up the broken side when they felt that they should have torn down the good side to be able to match because I was still growing, et cetera, et cetera. Deviated septum essentially for 40 years, not being able to breathe. Talk about uncomfortable, but you remember what I said when I was outside of the waiting room? I'd rather be anywhere but waiting to go into surgery. So as long as I wasn't going into surgery, I was content. Mm -hmm. Fast forward 40 years, I am talking as a motivational speaker and I'm sharing ideas about what people should do and how they can overcome things and how they can face their fears. And the name of the company, right? Most people don't, but you can, right? Most people don't, but you do. Most people don't and why you should. I'm sharing that most people don't face their fears. Mm -hmm. So here I am telling people, it's okay to face your fears. It's okay to overcome obstacles. It's okay to challenge yourself, to be put into uncomfortable situations. And I'm sharing this and I'm thinking, and I still can't breathe because I'm freaking afraid of surgeries and getting knocked out. After that presentation, I came home, I talked to my wife. I said, you know what? I think it's time. I think it's time to get my, my nose fixed. Very supportive. We went and got a couple of opinions, found a good doctor, went to the surgical center because all I had to do was get there. All I had to do was get to the surgical center. Another phrase that I like to share a quote is, if the why is important enough, the how becomes easy. Right. If the why is important enough, the how becomes easy. Right. Well, the why I wanted to be able to breathe, why I wanted to have this fear out of my mind, and the how became easy. All I had to do was get in the car and have my wife drive me to the surgical center. So long story longer, three hours into surgery, everything was fine. They told her, looks great. He's doing well. Once you bring around the car, he's ready to go home. Well, then my heart attacked me and went to very low operating efficiencies. They had to rush me from the surgical center to the nearby hospital. And thank goodness it didn't take 45 minutes that it normally would. It took like 12. They did surgery, stayed there a few nights and recovering fine. So this is right now, this was a little over two years ago. The reason why I'm sharing this with you, Robin, and the listeners, you asked about the things that happened to me that were allowing me to progress. I feel that I, and I'm saying this, most people don't save my life. Right. The philosophy saved my life because I chose to have surgery then. It was at the right place at the right time with the right doctors, the right nurses. They took good care of me. Mm -hmm. I could have been traveling. I could have been alone in a hotel room. I could have been on an airplane. I could have been walking the dogs in the woods and the outcome would have been very different. That showed me that my faith in other people, it's okay to have faith in other people. People are good. Most people are genuinely good. So people were going to be able to take care of me. And it also gave me a different spiritual perspective on, I could have died, but I didn't. I didn't. And at a certain point, whatever your faith is or whatever your spirituality is, I think as I'm becoming older, I'm becoming more spiritual in realizing I'm here for a reason and I am going to not take things as seriously. I'm going to live my life. I'm going to have fun. I'm going to serve others and fulfill my purpose. Yeah, it's um, 
it's interesting, just to back up for a minute, you said, you know, it's okay to trust others. And I think that's something we as humans, we need to do. I, I don't think we can make it without that, that blind trust. You know, it really helped you out of some really dark places, yes. right? Yes. Yes. We are social people and we need to be able to interact with others and to be able to rely on others. And if you've ever seen any of the TV shows of people living alone and whoever can live alone, and I think that's the name of the show, whoever can live alone in the wilderness, the longest on an island in Canada mm -hmm. will win X amount of dollars. And what you find it's people need human interaction. And yes, they had enough food. They figured out the water. They figured out the shelter. But what they really needed was human interaction. And that's what they missed the most. Mm. Well, this has been an amazing story from the trauma of a child and the evolution of, of coming to terms with that and, and actually addressing it and kind of pushing it away and your spiritual development. And that's amazing, just sharing your experience and helping others to um, get past what's causing them some angst and fear and anxiety. So yeah, use your resources, rely on people. It's okay to trust people, change change doctors, change your advisors, change your resources right. if they're not helping you. And don't be afraid to share the story because the more Robin that I open up and I share with people, mm -hmm. I get people coming up to me afterwards or hopefully after this kind of conversation and saying, thank you. I went through the same thing or I'm going through a similar thing. And I never really thought about the solutions that you offered. 40 years ago, couldn't find the solutions. I could not find the solutions. So thank goodness through messages and podcasts like yours, you're helping to spread resources and solutions for people that years ago, maybe never even had existed. Thank you. I think the other, the other important takeaway, which I think is just so beautiful about your story is that this type of change is, is a process. It's not something that happens overnight. Even if you say to yourself, okay, I'm going to not be anxious anymore. It takes a lot of time and a lot of experience to get through that. And, you know, I always cling to the, to the saying slow and steady wins the race. Mm -hmm. It's really um, the way to get through things. So, yeah. And if you think about obstacles and people might feel bad for themselves and say, why did this have to happen to me? Happen for a reason. And especially if people can figure out how to overcome things and then share, this is what I did. Perhaps this will help you. Or just being a symbol of, I can manage. I have panic attacks, but I can manage. If I can manage, guess what? You can manage too. And I'm happy to be a resource for you too. I think it's critically important to share. Well, thanks very much. Very, very inspiring, very eye-opening. We really appreciate your time and, and your ability to share such an incredible story. Thank you so much. Listeners, please do take Bart up on his offer to be a resource. Check out his website at mostpeopledon't.com or drop him an email at bart at mostpeopledon't.com. We hope that you liked today's episode. If so, please like us, share us, and tell your friends about us. And if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, you can email us at thehealthabilityproject at gmail.com. Thanks very much, and we'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us today at The Health Ability Project. 
We'd love to hear from you, so please email us your questions, comments, or suggestions, including future guests, to the Healthability Project at gmail.com. And please like us, subscribe, and share us with your friends.